Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. Did you watch four more Evangelion movies? Yes. <laughs> uh, I made you do it. I made you watch all four uh, Rebuild of Evangelion movies, which gave me an excuse to watch them all again. How many times have you watched them, Greg? Uh, I mean, I certainly haven't watched all four like an equal number of times. But I've been through the entire set, like sitting down, watching one, two, three, four. I've done that at least three or four times. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Your capacity for absorbing chaos, chaotic nonsense is high. Yeah. Because woof, woof these movies. Um, I don't even know uh, where to begin. Well, uh, uh, you just leave it to me. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'll be back in like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And then, I'm just kidding. So um, the uh, the film series Rebuild of Evangelion, uh, also known as uh, Evangelion New Theatrical Edition, also known as Shin Evangelion, Shin being a Japanese word often meaning something like true or perfected. Uh, so... Uh, Hidekiano also made Shin Godzilla recently. Uh, so, um, it is four films, all of which can, are very confusingly titled. Uh, the first film, uh, Evangelion colon 1.0. You are open parentheses, not close parentheses alone. They're all named that way. <laughs> uh, they are four films. Uh, first one was released in 2007. Jesus. Last one was, yeah. The last one was released, uh, I think, 2021. <laughs> they took their time on this one. Uh, um, kind of the series was kind of pitched as um, initially kind of like like a remastered Evangelion, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to, you know, kind of maybe compress it down, get some updated animation in here, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah, just touch it up. Um, which is really what the first one is kind of like. Um, but then in true Evangelion, uh, fashion, um, things went in a different direction. And as we get into the kind of plot by plot, uh, in the second film, uh, the plot really starts to diverge from what we saw in the original series. Um, and it gets further and further away from anything resembling either the reality established by the previous Evangelion series, or even the previous movies in the series, and into some really weird spaces that uh, I'm not sure are supposed to ever make full sense. But then at the end, it kind of brings everything back around again. Um, but... Do you have any kind of initial brain dump thoughts before we just kind of break it down movie by movie? Yeah, I think what you just described, like when it like starts off so in an alignment, like the first movie is it's like episodes one through six of the show. Yeah, it's just, just like scene by scene, just redone with better much. animation, which is I was like, OK, cool. And then it's like two starts to diverge, like you said, and then we're way off. But like then I was like, oh, I guess just like this is just a different different story. And then like by the end, I'm like, oh, no, we're just doing this is basically the end of the show again. 
Kind of. So, like, to be the whole, like, to go so far, of course, but kind of end up at the same point was, like, kind of impressive in that way. Well, it kind of ends up at the same point, but it is also a very different conclusion. But we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. You probably need to help me fully put that together because <laughs> these movies are fucking nonsense. They are absolute nonsense. I, I will not at all uh, attempt to uh, claim that they are anything but nonsense. Like midway um, through the second movie, I'm like, Oh, we are going off the rails. And then I at some point by the end of the second movie into the third, I'm like, I don't even remember what the rails are or were. And then by the fourth movie, I'm like, I don't even know the word rail. Yes. Uh, So I think that um, especially movies three and four um, is where uh, where things get especially strange. I I think that a big part of it has to do with um, and I know I'm making excuses here, but the um either the the translation and or it's just the the dub the direction mm-hmm. of the dub um because uh like for example there's a lot of let's call it techno babble in <laughs> these uh that's the biggest understatement i've ever heard in my yeah. entire life i think well it's it's like it's like standard techno babble mixed with um religious terminology that's been through like two or three rounds of google translate um it uh but a lot of that stuff is delivered with the same kind of treatment as actual important dialogue like like if and i think technobabble the term comes from star trek next generation where they would just like write that in the script mm-hmm. um <laughs> just be like you know Jordy and data are having a conversation and the the script literally just says technobabble um because like yeah, they need to say like sci-fi sounding stuff to each other. But basically it's like we got to fix this thing, right? So they end up talking about something like we've got to f- we've we've got to invert the Solex agitators, you know? Like um but usually in most media when that kind of stuff is happening, the the movie or the TV show or whatever like kind of brings that dialogue into the background. Yeah. Just like kind of takes your focus off of it so that you understand these are not important details. You know, they're just going to say some cool sounding words. Don't focus on it. But these movies, nope. <laughs> it's just all everything is delivered at a 10 in terms of like the performance, the way the movie tends to focus on things. And um, well, and and it makes it seem like the reason it feels at a 10, at least to me and my I watched it with two guys, one who had seen the original Evangelion a long time ago and one who has never seen anything about it and knew nothing about it, which was kind of an interesting dynamic. What a blessing. Um, (laughs) And it would just go on for so long. And to the point where also, like you said, the way it's focused on, it's like, it kind of feels like you're supposed to know what's happening. Whereas like you said, another situation is like, yeah, they're fixing the thing and they're just made up some sci-fi words. Fine. Where this is just like, it'll be like, Five minutes of people just being like boosting blah 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 blah, doing the turning the w- widget magadget, and it's just like, are we supposed to be following this? Because it kind of feels like maybe the person who made this was following it and has a weird right. logic in their head that's just not. I don't know, man. It's wild, and like, yeah, it got to the point where it's like it would get boring. Where it's just like, I don't think this matters. Right, you, you're and, right, exactly, and 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 I do think that that is probably down to the way the the dub was directed. Mm-hmm. And 
Somewhere between the direction and the translation, because that's always a piece of it, too. Right. Like sometimes I think that they, you know, sometimes you're watching it. You feel like I think they were just being a little too literal with this translation. And, you know, or, oh, man, they really had to draw this line out because it takes it takes 10 seconds to say it in Japanese, but three seconds to say it in English. Right. So like, ah, we had to fuck. And I just think that like some of it didn't really feel as well tuned. Um, and I think that that does make it very tough to follow, especially in the, the, the kind of the back half of the series where a lot of weird shit is happening, where you can't just devise from context clues what's going on. Like in the opening to the second film where you're introduced to Mari and, you know, she's kind of chasing this escaping angel through some kind of military base there's a lot of techno babble but like you get it i see what's happening there's a new ava pilot she's got to chase this thing right i can infer from the context what the fuck's going on but by the time we get to movie four and we're like in a negative reality built of thoughts (laughs) and there's like three flying ships but maybe there's four and you know and you the context clues are not there you have to explain the context to me at the same time you're explaining the action and i can't tell what is techno babble what is an important detail what are like key thematic lines like yes uh so that's one of the reasons why uh, you know kind of need to watch these a couple times but that's the movie's fault i do think that uh that there's a better version of this out there where especially movies three and four the translation of the dub or something makes this a little easier to follow yeah i mean that definitely seems i would i would definitely agree with that because it it in the first one there's you know in the first one if i say first one i mean the original in the original Mm -hmm. There was a lot of techno babble, but it was done in that way where it's like kind of just like montage style. Yes. Like, you know, there's like you're seeing nerve workers do shit and they're reacting to situations happening. And it's really just a set piece to get to the next part where it's like something bad is happening. Techno babble that that translates that. And, you know, and it also wouldn't be that long. And, you know, when you have less real estate in the movie, it starts to feel like, why are we spending so much time on this techno babble? So it must be important. And then you're moving into where it is important and I'm still not understanding it. So now what are we doing? Um, right. I, and some things are, are like super over explained. Yeah. Like, you know, in the in the fourth movie where they they try to kill Gendo, but then we just learned out we find out that like, oh, he's a monster man now. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it's you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a cool scene. She like she's he's just monologuing and she just blasts him yeah it's fucking great great. and uh and then he just gets up yeah and she's just and then she just shoots him again (laughs) well that didn't work yeah (laughs) which is great and then that blasts the mask off and you see he's all like you know cosmic horror-y now and he's like picking his brain up off the floor like cool but also all i needed to see was like oh he's fucked up now but instead we get like a lot of dialogue about how he's abandoned his humanity and how he did it. And it's like, I don't fuck. We don't need to know, man. It's it like, it's so obvious. Like, yes, you have a character who's literal. Like he just got up from being shot in the face and his whole eyeball situation, which was already like just a huge visual symbol of like his detachment from the world around him. Right. Uh, you know, like the, 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 there's a reason you very rarely see Gendo's eyes in any version of this. It's because it makes him look inhuman. Uh, and then you find out like he's really super inhuman under there. Oh, 
he's abandoned his humanity in search of power. Okay, this is the point where the villain, where we confirm the villain has finally crossed the line. Like, yeah, we've seen this before. I don't need dialogue about it. I've abandoned my humanity so that I can become like the gods and so do the thing and the other thing. You did the thing, but you must have had to use the thing. Yes, he used the thing. It must have been the thing. Oh, no, he's it's it just too much. Yeah. But I also love these movies. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try and give some things that I say I, will, I like. I think that overall, I mean, they look great. I mean, there's some there's some cool. stuff in that, that like the last two movies in particular. Holy shit, right? Just like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know, but it's awesome. She lit. She. OK, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> um, but just like some of the some of like the, the that com- what do they call it, like two and a half E or whatever, where it's like, yeah, the combination of, of, of CGI and anime style animation. I've always really liked that when I do it. You know, I've a very limited anime experience watching Attack on Titan, things like that, where you get a sense of scale and, and, and depth and stuff and really cool. I mean, they they doubled down on a lot of the weirdness around the angels in ways that was like, you know, felt modern and weird and, and it still gave you the same level of like ick that you know like yeah the original did um although the dick drill in you know uh movie one yeah. was far less dick far less dickish and i didn't appreciate that yeah the uh the movies are a lot less sexually aggressive <laughs> in terms of like trying to traumatize you with weird sexual imagery than yeah. uh and also, then, like, less sexually aggressive in, like, that it's not, like, example, like, that there's no, that hospital scene is not in these. That's right. Although, well, although I would argue that uh, it is obliquely referenced. But anyway. Okay. I must have. Uh, is it, it's, it's, what, I possibly missed something in one of these movies? I can't well, imagine that's the case. When I, actually, and maybe it's not so much the hospital scene, but the, the choking scene. Oh, yeah. I think that the, in, in the, in the, in the fourth movie, when Asuka's, like, like like really aggressively force feeding Shinji. Like I think that is a that is in some ways is supposed to be kind of an inversion of the choking scene at the end of the original mm-hmm. series. But anyway, yes. Um, I I felt that it did a better job initially at kind of driving home some of the themes around, particularly around like Shinji and like it just cut some of the fluff that like was in the original that like you're like oh this is about trauma and loneliness mm-hmm. and depression and like all these things like it just felt a little more evident again yes. the end i felt was like what are we doing here i don't fucking uh-huh. know um i felt that i really liked the section in the third movie where they're like being normal people i yeah. felt that was like a nice it, it almost it lured me it lured me into a false sense of like oh i kind of know what's going on right now <laughs> and then it's just like nope fuck you i'm like okay thanks um you know, it, the stuff with Ray felt a little bit, you know, like it felt, again, more like pointed and I understood it better for a while. And however, and this is where I, it starts to beg the question, you know, you've got this sort of like it becomes obvious that like particularly through um, what's sexy, sexy boy's name? Kaoru. Kaoru. Through his perspective, when he starts showing up that like, oh, this isn't entirely divorced, like canonically from yeah. the original. There's some sort yeah. of. Even beyond just like meta commentator, some sort of in-universe connection to that yeah. timeline. Almost or, like Kaoru watched the series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or this is some sort of like cycle. Like there's like, you know, he shows uh-huh. up with all these coffins and you're like, okay, what does all that mean? Uh, but again, like not ever even remotely explained or touched upon kind of at the end. Um, uh, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It never gets too explicit. So in, in, in what? 
and granted, we had spent, you know, we did our Eva series before we watched, we'd watch what, three or four episodes and then talk about it for an hour or two. So yeah. I, I was able to kind of limp along and try and understand. And I kind of got it, even though I didn't, you know, the ending was weird. But besides, up to that point, it's kind of like, I, I understand mostly what's going on. It, by the time we're doing the weird shit in movie three, I'm like, I, I'm truly and unequivocally lost. Like, I just yeah. do not know what is happening. They're buzzing through all of the exposition. They're actually not even doing the exposition around like Adam and Lilins and yeah. Lilith and like all these things. It's just like that they kind of explain in the original series, which I didn't quite remember. And I also wasn't trying to I thought I was watching a new thing. So I thought I didn't need to I didn't want to be, I guess, like biased or infiltrated from the first. But now I'm like, seems like you're supposed to be which is weird. And that all was odd. And then again, I feel like the end didn't it just human instrumentality like that whole piece is still just like, what? Uh huh. And so that felt very confusing. Um, And I feel like I felt really confident about Shinji and what he like where he was at up until I think the end felt like quote unquote, like his his acceptance kind of felt a little rushed to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like all the other characters, I was just like, I don't know what any of these characters want or who they are or what they're doing. You know, Asuka a little bit because of just because, again, I had the, con- the the context from the previous show, previous, you know, cycle or whatever it is. But uh-huh. like they don't show her backstory as much in, in that piece. And, and now there's a new girl. Now there's a new girl that I, you could not tell me what her purpose in the show is besides. Uh-huh. I can't yeah. Um, Let me tell you, I'm on the forums and, and uh, we're not sure either. <laughs> but I mean, I have. Yeah. Sure you do. Well, just as a as a general, like one of the things that I have come to accept about these movies, and I think it's intentional, um, is that uh, like, you know, like a like David Lynch, like, you know, probably my favorite non cartoon director, uh, you know, like some of the things aren't always supposed to make literal sense or have a literal explanation like that. Sometimes it's like what exactly because like why is mari in pictures of like gendo and yui when they were young um why does she when then she goes and just seems to can just kind of teleport around maybe and just be wherever she wants to be and and then when she talks to uh what the old man second in command futsuki mm-hmm. Before he, like, I guess, dissolves into LCL uh, and he calls her Mari Iscariot, Iscariot being, you know, Judas's surname. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, I haven't heard that name in a while. Like, but it's not entirely clear. But I think that there is this is, is a lot of this stuff is symbolic, I guess, is what I'm saying. That's not necessarily uh I think it's an interesting choice for the movie to be so non-literal in some cases, given how the way the rest of it is. Like, it's a giant robot anime. This thing should be all about rules and power sets and that sort of stuff. And they spend so much time on Technobabble, but at the end, it's all just vibes, man. (laughs) That's an interesting choice. I don't know if they did it right, but (laughs) I think it's an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely... Like the the time skip definitely was like a big leap mm-hmm. for me, and it felt like like too much plot happened off screen in that time skip. Yep, that was like oh, I kind of wish I would have seen that stuff that ended up mattering. Yeah, yeah. So like example, like even like um, what's his face's sacrifice? Yep, uh, yep, absolutely. Guy, just like why Kaji? Yeah, I like that character. Like, why aren't we doing that thing? Right, and, and that ended up being apparently like. Pretty crucial, pretty crucial to yeah. 
not only the in-universe events, but also like that was a, like an emotional turning point for a lot of the characters we see. That was a very strange omission. Yeah. I agree. And like, even though I will say like, obviously like the, the, the multi-dimensional slash space chase slash fight mm-hmm. scene that was like the climax of, of the movie kind of the, the action climax, we'll call it like, even though that was like wild and really cool looking. One thing that I remember that like stands out in my mind from when we watched the original series was in the end when I guess it's correct me on these things. Nerve headquarters is being attacked and invaded by someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, the bad guys, the bad guys. I don't remember what they're called. It was this. Sila or was it it Zella? And, you know, you're seeing all these like kind of B character red shirts that you don't have a relationship with, but like you're seeing them like get shot and you see um, uh, main girl. What's her name? God. Um, Main main girl in Evangelion. Masato? Yeah. You see like when Masato gets shot and she's like bleeding out and dying. Like I really liked that sequence because it kind of like was like weirdly grounded in this kind of like bonkers ass show. Yeah, but it gave this like weight to it that I thought was like really powerful. And that's st- that stuck with me. and not having that and doing it completely different. I was kind of like, it's it's cool, but just like it, 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 it deflated a little bit for me, despite being so bombastically crazy. Yeah. That and there clearly cool. there clearly was a showdown between. Right. Well, it, it seems like at some point uh, Gendo basically absorbs Zella into nerve and then Misato's group breaks off to fight them, hmm. which maybe is a little more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. But I, I think that that like kind of civil war, like it happened during the time skip. And, you know, and then like you have these scenes in, in the fourth movie where like all the good guys were in like armbands for all their fallen comrades who died in what was like a revolution mm-hmm. off screen that we didn't get to see. Yeah. You kind of feel like I was like, that could have been really something. Yeah, something grounded. But uh, yeah, the grounded goes very goes out the window pretty much at the end of movie two for this one. It's just we're not doing that. This is it's all going to be no- nonsense from here on out. Yeah. Except for that, you know, when they're when they're in the town with their old friends doing like the normal life, quote unquote, kind of thing. Yeah. But you kind of really liked. But um, it- so let's. It's hard to sum up. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask. Let me ask this, Greg. Yes. Let me ask some things here. I think instead of trying to summarize the whole thing, which seems like a effort in futility. Okay. Um. For a few, I, I'm going to ask you some questions that I don't understand. Oh, boy. And maybe and they're going to be broad enough that they're, it will then kind of summarize the show or the, the, the series here, the four movies in a way that like could be helpful. Okay. Lay that makes sense. Let's try. Okay. What did Gendo want? What did Gendo want? Gendo wanted to be... Gendo's goal has always been to be reunited with Yui, who disappeared into Unit 1 back when they were starting the Evangelion Project. Mm. Uh, and he uh, he believed that he could get that through the Human Instrumentality Project, which uh, is supposed to merge all human beings into one uh in a in a spiritual sense 
the erasure of all the AT fields, which are the things that separate us from each other spiritually. Um, and that would reunite him with Yui because they would all be in one big pool of souls. That's one soul and he would be reunited with her. So, and that was always the goal in, in, yeah, in, in the original series and in, in this, just the, what, how he got to the instrumentality, uh, was different in both, in both cases. Okay. More and, complicated in, in the new movies. Yes. And there's a couple more steps. Um, what are the angels? Huh. <laughs> That's never been totally clear. Uh, it's, it's understood that, uh, so first impact, which happens before the events of the series, uh, some scientists, including Misato's father, uncover Adam uh, at the South Pole. Adam is the first angel, uh, which is basically, you know, he, he's an es- extraterrestrial thing. The uh, angels are the spawn of Adam, where and we humans are the spawns of Lilin, the other weird alien. Uh, um, but yeah, so that's what they are. And so the second impact was what happened in Antarctica, right? That was for, well, okay, that's right. So first impact is when uh, Adam and Lillian crashed into the earth a million years ago. Second impact is when we uncovered Adam in at the South Pole and that, you know, killed everything in the oceans and, you know, other various apocalyptic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then third impact is whenever Shinji gets too much of a boner. And okay. and and that that is the start of instrumentality. Third impact. And there's a false third impact or near there's third impact? a near third impact that occurs at the end of movie two. Movie two. And he's um, trying to pull Ray out of unit out of the out of the the unit the angel three. that it absorbed. Yeah. Unit uh unit, unit zero. zero. Yeah. Um yes. The, that that act of him, uh, you know, crossing some kind of spiritual threshold to reunite with Ray uh, or to rescue Ray, that's what cause what initiates what would be the third impact. But then Kaoru comes down from the moon and impales Unit One, basically, you know, nipping it all, nipping that thing in the, you know, cutting off uh, third impact before it could start. Um, but it still did a lot of damage yeah it's still like turned the world into like a fucking cool ass album cover hellscape <laughs> uh it turned everything red uh has something to do with like angel cores i don't fully understand it, it doesn't matter but turned like a lot of the world red except for the areas that are kind of around these like special magic pillars that prevent that from happening and that's where people can live right uh okay what did the gendo starts instrumentality at the end like he did in the original series both times in the original series, I guess they're slightly different in End of Evangelion and uh, like the first end of the episodes, which are both canon or one's retelling of the other one, kind of. There, the, uh, that was never the, clear the, to me. The uh, the explanation that I prefer for the the two endings to the original series is that y- you can read it where basically they're both happening, where right. one version is basically Shinji's perspective, like his kind of weird, you know psychological journey yeah. the other and the other ending is basically what's going on in the world outside right you can look at it that way. right okay so endo starts instrumentality in this thing it looks slightly different it's not everyone turning into you physically although some people did seem yeah to. um 
and then him and Shinji have a brain duel. Yes. And Shinji minces him that it's not a good idea. And then Shinji does something. <laughs> what is that yes. something? So, uh, so basically, I don't know. There's some like space, space Gnosticism mumbo jumbo mm-hmm. involved here, but basically, um, well, instrumentality. Okay. So let me back up. The instrumentality is basically like you do a bunch of stuff and then you get a wish, you know? And, um, cause in the original Shinji's given a choice, like he can either, uh, keep the world as it is, or he can do instrumentality and like turn everybody into goo and, uh, you know, and then we're all together and now he never has to have anxiety again. Um, and so, uh, so basically in the, in the end of uh, movie four, Shinji basically fixes Gendo. Uh, he, he helps Gendo unpack his trauma and Gendo realizes he's being a kind of a shithead. Um, and, you know, chooses not to rewrite the world for his own wishes. And through him and Yui sacrificing themselves together, because I think by, by Shinji having that breakthrough with Gendo and allowing him to unpack his trauma, that's what really allows, uh, Gendo to reunite with Yui in, in this spiritual space. And then the kind of the rewrite the world power falls to Shinji. And now, because we've got a better Shinji in the movies, somehow, uh, rather than, um, you know, choosing to just repeat some version of the Evangelion cycle that we've been going through or whatever, he chooses basically to remake the world into just our normal ass world without angels and Evas in it. And in so doing, in the, in the, uh, you know, kind of the, the closing scene, not only does it dissolve into just like real footage of a Japanese city, but like Shinji grows up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that like, I still get choked up when I watch it because it's like, oh, that, you know, that like he gave everybody a chance to just live a normal life and they grew up into like functioning young adults and it's just, you know, you, you, you have these characters for a while and like they all just have such bad endings and we've been watching them have those bad endings over and over again for 20 years plus and then like we go through this thing again so people make some better decisions and and then like oh they, they got a chance to grow up oh <laughs> yeah it was a powerful ending in her and, you know, it, it was all just like, oh, they just like at a train station and, you know, yeah, and they all just that it was just fine. <laughs> it was like, oh, oh, my God, because I realized, like, I've seen for these characters, you know, rewatching the original and then the first three movies is just like, I've just been watching these kids get shit on for 20 years <laughs> and like everything's always going bad for them. And it's all just trauma and misery. And then just to just to see them happy and grown up such a powerful ending okay that helps <laughs> um why is oscar so annoying no, that's <laughs> how dare you <laughs> um i will say that one one scene that like that i thought was interesting it, it helps get there a little bit of get shinji there for that end his role in the end was you know when you know, he's all like just done 
at when he, they start that like time in the real world kind of thing. Yeah, and he's, and he's just, just like a catatonic, depressed exactly. mess. And then he slowly gets kind of better. <laughs> and fucking Ray turns the mush in front of him again, and I was like, I know, Jesus Christ, people, <laughs> let the kid be okay. But- I know he's like, I just watched my last silver-haired, you know, maybe love interest. I watched their head blow up. Yeah. And I'm just getting over it. Yeah. But he seems to not like doesn't seem to doesn't take him to that same place, which I thought oh, was right. like a good, like a powerful message and puts him on track towards the end of the film for sure. But it was just like and but it's also kind of like it was it was good. It was like some time to process your trauma and feelings like and make you a stronger person is a good. Yeah. And whatever he like, you know, it took him half the movie to get over Kaoru's death and he he worked through it and he realized that like he he realized that um that he couldn't just retreat into himself that people needed him you know and and he was a necessary part of other people's lives and you know he learns that and he's able to function again and you know it's a i i i mean i think the parallels are intentional that then when when ray you know uh expires um that doesn't scar him as deeply because he's you know he he's he knows that he had a positive impact on her life and he um and you know he knows that like there's more to life than just his feelings and the way this all impacts him and i think that those two things are what probably lead to you know we you mentioned earlier that like it seems like his kind of character turning point kind of happens kind of suddenly I think this is these are the pieces of it, but I I I think that it's not communicated well enough. So maybe one one piece or something, right? One more reinforcement of like a new Shinji for that get to that final moment, right? Um, why does Asuka refuse to wear clothing? Third, well, there's some stuff in there that like because it seems that she mentions that it's the curse of the Ava, but like it's also unclear if it's the result of how much of it is. Because she's an Ava pilot, how much of it is because she's uh, also like partially infected with the ninth angel or whatever. But then also, she's also a clone in this timeline. She doesn't know it, but she's a clone like Ray. Wait, what? And, yeah. How did I miss that? It's in the it's in the ending. Uh, or the, okay. like the kind of the um uh yeah no no she's a clone in this in this one. I'll explain in a minute. <laughs> um. But it, it, she talks about like how like sh- her body has changed so much that like she doesn't even eat anymore. She only needs to drink water. Um, and I think the I mean, the obvious reason why Asuka doesn't wear clothes in the whole movie is because, you know, because horniness in the audience. But um, I think I think part of it is it's a little bit it's a little symbolic because she, like when she's not wearing her plug suit because she's going into battle, she's like not wearing anything like she's she's detached so much from her humanity that she's like, I don't even bother putting on clothes like a normal person anymore. Yeah, her identity is being an Eva pilot. Right. Um, and although she does, when she realizes that seeing the choker collar makes Shinji like tr- is triggering for Shinji, she starts to wear a bandana over it. Mm. I didn't notice that at first, but eventually I got there. Uh, so like she's, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, I think the biggest one is it's like, 
it's I mean, the horniness is the biggest one, <laughs> but it's it's you know, I think I think it's trying to be like, yeah, she's just an Ava pilot. Like she doesn't she's not trying to fit in. She's not trying to be a person anymore, you know. Whereas, and you contrast that with Ray, you know, during that same kind of sequence where she is tr- learning to be a, just a normal person in the world and like trying to live that life. Um, and then she realizes that she can't because her body's made of goop. But um, yeah, but I think also it was an excuse just to have Asuka in panties for an entire movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and why, Mari? Was- okay. Um it almost feels like she's like a like a what it what's the term a Deus Ex Machina. Well, not so much that a little bit of that, but more more, that. more like you know what it, what do you call like the the author inserting themselves like a Tom Bombadil or like you know it's like part of it is the Deus Ex piece, but part of it's like you know it seems like they know more than everybody else for some reason, yeah. and therefore they're kind of used to drive the plot forward in ways that wouldn't normally make sense for a, a, a character in the world to do without a little bit of meta knowledge or something. Right. Um, also, I will say that um, like I'll pair why Mari with like, it seems like E creator kind of didn't want to do some of the things he did, like some of the narrative like, concepts, like actual just narrative plot beats that he did previously, obviously since it's so different, but then uh-huh. also like wasn't willing to jettison like all the pieces and like when they're doing that, like halfway in between the parts are really confusing. Is like where it's like, it's not really techno babble. It's like endo expositing, but it feels like techno babble. Yeah. It's just like, well then clearly when Adam did this and then the, the, you know, spear of Longinus and then all yeah. the other spears, there's multiple of, and this other weapon that's also mythical. And like these things did that. And like, they're describing things that like happened off screen and you're like, why is any of this like relevant? or important like why couldn't you just like skip that and just be like this is what's happening now like i don't know it just seems like 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 <clears throat> like he created all these things originally and they're on a big pile and he kind of made a more streamlined story but it's just like yeah but i can't let these not be used and just yeah, like i throw can't, them I into can't the not story. have spears in here yeah, yeah. that was hard for me yes well i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of world building that is either inconsistent or superfluous Right. Like um, or you're never quite sure what elements of the world building are like important for your understanding of the film versus just like, oh, that's just flavor and texture for the world. Right. It's not always clear. But anyway, why Mari? Um, I really like Mari, but she doesn't make a lot of sense, like in a like a straight strict narrative sense, because she's kind of working for nerve, but also it seems like there's something else at play. Um, she has like, uh, it seems like she has like almost superhuman skills when it comes to like piloting an Ava. And like most of the time, it seems like she's holding back just to let the kids win almost. Yeah. Um, and she does seem to have like almost like she's some third party to all of this. And has more knowledge. And I think that's intentional. And I don't know that we're supposed to have a clear answer. Like, is she, does she represent like the will of the audience? Or, you know, is she, like you say, like the author insert of like him putting his thumb on the scale in places? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's very possible that, you know, it's, you know, she is some additional cosmic force. You know, you've got Adam and Lilith. And, you know, and maybe she's some third thing that uh, wants to wants to get involved here. Um, I don't know, but 
Um, I, I think that, like, I guess my review is uh, if the character was less cool and charming, I would be kind of upset that they included her to basically hand wave away whatever plot points they need. Right. Um, but, uh, I think that my, my affection for her was locked in, in the big Paris fight scene. Yeah, and as cool, cool as it is that she stabs an angel in the face with the Eiffel Tower while saying, excusez-moi, Eiffel. Uh, it's that like when she's piloting the Ava, there's just like one scene where she like turns the controls into like a big ass steering wheel and like, like just like backs up like a trucker. <laughs> Do you know? I, yeah. So, but like, I just found that little action, like just like so endearing and cool. I was like, all right, you got me. I'm in. Yeah. It's almost like she's like my one kind of like theory based on nothing. Cause I not spent, I'm sure, you know, maybe somebody else in this podcast, like hours on subreddits or forums about this. <laughs> uh, maybe who knows? Um, was it like, she was the, difference like she's like in this whatever this version of the cycle or timeline is like her existence is what put it on the different path so whoever she is supposed to represent whether it's the audience whether it's a newer version of what's the creator's name Ano. Ano. like you know a a a modern you know if any if there's like characters are based on him or whatever like this is a new you know 30 years plus later whatever like Maybe her existence is is the is the sort of like, you know, butterfly that leads to the butterfly effect of what sets this on a slightly different course that ends up breaking the cycle or whatever. Yeah, Maybe she's like the only character that's not that's not the only character, but the only main character that's not present in previous cycle. And that's interesting. I wonder I have a feeling that the answer is no, but I wonder if I went back and rewatched him and like try to pick out like what's what are the points where she maybe nudges things in a different direction? Because obviously that is one of the big variables here. Like if you're trying to Sherlock Holmes out, like, OK, where do the timelines diverge? Uh, you know, you could look at um, it's really where he starts uh, third impact by trying to save Ray and. But it's like, but what's different about that? Well, and like that—that that is like the most different scene. Even though that kind of does happen, because he, he pulls Ray out of a Eva or out of an angel in the original series, but he just saves her and doesn't start a third impact. Right. So, and that that fight feels and looks very different versus the first uh, movie. It looks also—I mean, it's better, but it's like it's also similarly plotted out. Yeah, and like. She only shows up in the second movie and that's when we start to diverge. Right. And 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 like, did she? Yeah. Uh, and then Kaoru doesn't get involved until after the third impact starts, which is later kind of than when he would have shown up in the. In, so you could say that that brings him into play earlier because he has to intervene to stop third impact. Yeah. I wonder if if I wonder if you could point to like there's some little play. That's where she flicks the domino. Yeah. And. Uh, and everything ends up going a little bit different. Um, yeah, I mean, timing. Um, because in that that fight, right, it starts with the um, kind of the corrupted Evangelion fight, right? Mm -hmm. And it was taken over by like the Ninth Angel or whatever. But in the original, it was Toji piloting mm -hmm. that. Where here it was 
Asuka. And when the dummy plug killed and he thought Asuka was in there. Well, but I think he thought Asuka was in there in the original, but he was wrong. Oh, you're right. So his emotional impact there. Okay, so he's still like freaking out because he thought he just had to. He just murdered his friend. Uh, I don't know. There's my contribution for you. A thought. Uh, Now I'll just have to watch him again. (laughs) Oh, Greg. Wow. So you well, you wanted I, I I had to follow up on Asuka being a clone. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. So in the. Because we get the beach scene again. Yes, but there's a difference there. But uh, there's a couple that when um, when she basically gets absorbed into Unit 13, um, she gets confronted by kind of like a ghost version of herself that's very similar to like the ghost version of Ray that came after that 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 kind of pulled her into wherever. Um, but then in the in the um, in you know kind of the final psychedelic montage when we're having that little bit about Asuka that leads up to the um leads up to the beach scene there there's some imagery that you know talks about the the Shikinami series and it's like number 1 and the, they're all kind of getting xed out and um you know it it it's it's basically they they they're kind of pointing out like yeah she's a clone just like Ray um uh, and that's a new detail um but like basically that's revealed as cuz Shinji kind of visits each of the main characters kind of psychically Hmm. Um, and when he visits Asuka, um, it ends with them on the beach. But what's interesting is that, um, they, I think they, 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 they go out of their way to draw her more grown up. Like she's kind of, and again, it just so happens. And I think they wrote it in a way that also is good for horny, but like, she's kind of like busting out of the plug suit a little bit. Yeah. And her body's much more filled out. She's not, you know, real skinny anymore. Um, And I think what they're suggesting there is that, like, as he's, you know, visiting with her spiritually and helping her, you know, work through, that enables her to grow up, even though it's still in this kind of beach scene. But, like, because that was the thing, like, oh, she doesn't get to grow up. She's been basically 15 for the last 15 years. and um, But I think intentionally, you know, not just... You know, he's not trying to choke her anymore. He's just kind of like waiting for her to wake up. Um, yeah, like the, those clear parallels. But um, I think they, they were trying to, yeah, trying to show her grown up. Makes sense. Huh. Well, what's the implication that, that Nerve cloned her? That Gendo cloned her? Like they cloned Ray? Or Yeah, okay. I think so. I think so. And these were all, and that even, that even makes him even seem a little bit more sinister because... You know, it's kind of like, okay, so he had this big elaborate plot that basically has to end up with his own son kicking off the end of the world. Um, But he's got to he's got to put all these influences into place. And, you know, when he was with Ray, it was like, okay, well, that's also a clone of his wife. So like and he wants an extra pilot. I'm like, okay, I get it. He's like a weird guy. He probably cloned his wife. But then when you realize like. Well, if in this reality, anyway, Asuka's also a clone is like, is he just developing all of these traumatized clones just to be pawns in his little like scenario for his son? That's fucked up. Yeah. Oof. But, but Shinji, Shinji had a nice sit down with Gendo and that fixed everything. <laughs> yeah. And I, I liked I did. I did like that, that the climax was really about like, um, I mean, it's the Steven Universe thing of like, we're not going to defeat the villain. We're going to fix him. Right. Uh, which I don't always love as a as a frame. But I think here, because like 
it's Evangelion. It's this whole fucking thing is about cycles of trauma and abuse, right? Like, this has to be an ending where you, like, fix that. You know, you have to show that, uh, you know, you have Gendo tell the story of his life and how he's basically like, yeah, I was a sad, isolated little kid like you, Shinji, and I hated that. But then I basically made you into that, and boy, that kind of sucks. Like, and for Gendo to just stare at the camera and say, like, our differences cannot be resolved with violence, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess guess that's right, huh? Um, I mean, it, that, that was kind of the necessary ending for what has always been the theme here, that, you know, Shinji breaks the cycle literally and figuratively and, like, helps Gendo. He helps everybody. Uh, you know, he 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 learns that that's that's where he finds his worth is helping his friends. I mean, it's dumb, but there it is. Right. Mm. And that was what Ray was trying to do the whole time in movie two with that heartbreaking, like I'm making a dinner party for all of us. Right. Thing. Uh, you know, because I want I want Shinji and Gendo to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And you're and that's, wondering like that, you know, a. Like something from Yui that's coming out in her. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, you know, it, it's yeah, she's re- she's reaching out. And she's saying that's how we fix this. Not by Gendo's weird plan of melting, melting everyone in the world. That's the thing. It's like it's just like it's so that's probably the hardest thing that kind of is like from a macro narrative perspective. It's just this like that the, the base motivation is so base that but it requires this like such a complicated and even more so complicated in this one there's a little less it was the, the narrative plot was like a little more comprehensible in the original because like this happens and this happens this happens this is like well if this happens but i knew that was gonna happen so we couldn't let that happen and yeah it's just like, okay yeah. whatever man there's like, a lot of that and it's like have it be so base kind of in some ways it's like that makes sense because you know, message humans are based and we've based stars whatever but at the same time it's like this is the only way <laughs> that you can do this like <laughs> and how did you how in the world did you ever i know we're not supposed there's not supposed to be an answer i get it but it's just like it starts to like be so stretch my immersion to the points of breaking that it's just like i don't know it's tough <laughs> yeah uh it, it's kind of like this whole thing is like you remember a classic the episode where Abed is in a film class and they task him with figuring out Nicolas Cage, good or bad. <laughs> That's what this kind of feels like. And I feel like, well, you, you actually seem more like Abed where it's like, you know, you start, you know, wait, I'm in the frustrated mode and you're in like the, the so deep that <laughs> he has that like freak out in the classroom. That's where I feel like. I mean, I, I, I really like these. Um, I, I'm absolutely willing to like admit their faults. Um, they're not perfect. Um, but as an Evangelion fan, I appreciate them a great deal. Like I, cause I see what I see, I see what they were trying to do and I like what they were trying to do. And, um, I think that the, I mean, <laughs> I think, I also think that like you can't be a true Evangelion fan if you're not willing to embrace a little jankiness in your shit, right? Like, <laughs> Like, look, if any of us are still around, like, it's all right if the plot's a little meandery and the dialogue doesn't always make sense. Like, that is baked into the cake at this point. (laughs) Part of the experience. 
No, I... yes, it's 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 like you know. I mean, sometimes you're like, look, this is a great restaurant. Don't make plans for after you eat because mm. it's, it's going to be a long night. But it's a good restaurant, <laughs> you know. It's like that. I can say it's you know, it's got it's got some it's got some bad stuff, but it has some action scenes. Like, oh boy, yeah, there's some cool shit. I mean, ah, uh, we're raised. Is just like charging that angel. Is she just holding a nuclear missile? <laughs> just, just, and then she just tries to like just shove it down the monster's mouth. <laughs> so good. And when they're fighting the big angel that like falls from the falls from the sky and it keeps unfolding into weirder and weirder shapes. Yeah. And they're like doing parkour across the countryside. Like <laughs> so fucking good. Yeah, I liked it, like the um. Some of the ones that came when they were like in space or traveling through space that were just so fucking weird, man. And just like seemed almost like non-Euclidean. Yes. It's like, okay. Like the, the the noises they make and stuff, like that screaming noise. Oh, I hate that. I hate it so much. But I'm supposed to hate it, so I get it. But it's just like, <laughs> Jesus, I hate it. Stop, please. Yeah. Okay, Greg. I asked a lot of questions. Um, I feel like it got us a good discussion. What what is there else in your mind that you feel like needs to be said about this whole endeavor? Whole thing. And I, I will say that I my interest like elevated when there was like the sort of like oh this is this isn't just a pure retelling of the first one. There's something more meta, you know. Yeah. That narrative going on here, like I found that for my interest because it. <laughs> If nothing else, it's capitalizing in my investment of watching the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I really like the and and the um, you know, and every time I watch it, especially the scenes with Kauru, where like the movie is the movie makes it very clear that Kauru retains his memories every time there's a new version of this. He's in it and he has like consistent memories through it. Um, that makes things very interesting. And like, I'm watching it and I'm trying to see like, okay, how's he like, you know, he's got, he's got certain ambitions here. He wants, but he's also very clearly like genuinely committed to Shinji. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why, you know, what's, what's his role in all this? What's he trying to do? You know? And yeah, cause he know. seemed like in the original, these terms do not really work in this context, but he seemed like less evil in this one. Yeah. Like it felt like he was he kind of cared about Shinji, but also was like definitely tricking him the whole time. Where in this, he's like kind of tricking him, but also like for Shinji's own good, as opposed to it didn't really feel that way in your rich. Yeah. I think his his role, like cosmically speaking, is he wants to make Shinji happy and he thinks the best way to make Shinji happy is to make third impact happen. Maybe? Or to make instrumentality happen? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But you certainly see... Yeah, he didn't seem as... You knew he wasn't really on the side of the good guys. It's very... Yeah, I still haven't fully pe- uh, figured him out. They definitely played up the the first one. I mean, it was a very different time. Um, especially in Japan, I met. You know, the sort of like homoerotic undertones yeah. are, are much less undertoned in this one. Which I think is yeah. a benefit because... I feel like it was so undertoned in the first one that it was kind of like, it's a thing or is it not a thing? And because I'm not sure I'm kind of conforming this, it's like, oh, they clearly are like, like each other to some degree. Or, right. at, least, or at least Shinji likes him. The reciprocation well, yeah, and, is kind of like a weird thing. For- well, and I think that it's, uh, 
in this one, Shinji is not a very sexual being, right? Like he's still, you know, I mean, he's still probably, you know, not quite sure where he wants to be or used to thinking about things in those terms. Although a lot of people around him clearly are. Um, but he doesn't seem as leering as he did in the first one. Um, but yeah, you could, you know, he, he struggles with how to receive Kaoru's affection. I think both from a, like, obviously like the sexual side, but also just somebody caring about me at all. Right. Um, yeah, because it's the right vibe. Right. And it, it gives him a little more of like a, I don't know, like, yeah, he seems less leering with the women. Yeah. Which then, cause then the way that kind of put on the show for me originally was like, he was feeling confused, not just because of affection and being nice to him, but also because he's like, wait, am I, are I like boys? Like, yeah. Or in this, it's kind of like, he doesn't really seem to have that same level of hesitation or confusion around that bit more so, more so just like the, wait, people can like me and be nice to me. And yeah, I can imagine that's partially because of like, well, you know, in night, what was the first one? 1993 or whatever. Like, you know, a question of liking boys as a boy was very different question than it is now. Yeah, to have. it had to be it had to be suggested much more obliquely. Yeah. Um, and also for him to have that realization and admit to that would be a very different societal impact than. Right. I mean, I think we places. I think I, I think it's it's it, it seems pretty clear, at least in the ending that, you know, he and Mari are a couple. Yes, that's in the true. ending, um, which also was like a little confusing for me because out of. Like she flirts with him and calls him yeah. confusing. Must have missed why that started happening. Or I didn't. It's even going. Who fucking knows? I think I think it's it's she gives everybody a nickname, but uh uh they it seemed like they were all translated just a little a little too literally. Mm. Uh anyway. Yeah. But you know, out of all the people for him to end up with, like clearly there's supposed to be a lot of tension with Asuka, obviously with Ray, but there's also the Freudian kind of thing going on there. And then with Karu, so for him to up with Mari, who, you know, she acts as if she kind of owns him in the show. Or like, you know, she she kind of has that, you know, she brings that the energy we've talked about where she like So you you what you're saying is you think he should have ended up with Ray, you weirdo. No, I actually think yeah. he should end up with Karu, but I don't know. I mean, he could I I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like from a meta perspective that it the final answer is none of the above. <laughs> sure. Yeah. For all of the, you know, for the, yeah, the you shippers know, the, out there. Yeah. You know, two, three decades of shippers. And then the answer is fuck y'all. Yeah. I mean, I, that is good. I, like, I do like that. I kind of like that from a meta perspective. Um, but also, if, uh, if, if we're buying into our theory that she is the, the, the change in the timeline, then it kind of yeah. makes sense for her to be. Yeah, and I think that there's, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, if Kaoru maintained his, retained his personality uh, through the reality reset, then he would just be way too obsessive with Shinji. You know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a a balanced relationship. Wouldn't be healthy for Kaoru. True. A guy, he's always going to be putting Shinji first. He's never going to be taking care of himself. And you know what? Shinji's not a great partner if you need somebody who's going to take care of you. True. Just saying, I don't think it would have been a good match. Cause she, and because it looked like he was with 
Oscar, right? It was you, you saw him and Oscar and Ray over on the other platform, and it, I don't know, maybe suggested that maybe they were a couple, or maybe they were just you know hanging out or what have you. Um, but they all got to make normal normal choices because none of them were like clones or space angels. <laughs> <laughs> they all just got to have lives. Yeah, yeah. No, I liked I liked the ending for that, and that kind of like that slow transition from the animation to the real. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do definitely feel that one thing I, I stuck in my head was when, because in my brain, when I heard about this, I was like, oh, you know, do realize that the story he made was, you know, between the production issues they had at the end, they ran out of money and just, you know, all the things. He realized that it like uh, a little convoluted, maybe didn't nail it. He's going to try and streamline it, make it easier to understand, make it a little <laughs> more approachable, accessible. And then when you were like, oh, no, it everything that's in it in the original, it's just that. But times 10, I was like, that can't be true. And it was just like, no, it is. Wow. <laughs> I think I mean, I think the man just can't help himself. Sure. I think that, uh, um, you know. And he, legendarily, a guy who, like, you know, is constantly changing his mind and evolving his ideas. Um, you know, this is all very on <laughs> very much on track. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it does start out like, you know, like, yeah, this is feeling good. This is feeling streamlined. I could see definitely see how we get to get to the end in a couple movies. By that second movie, he's like, no, fuck it. So, so bizarre. It's just it's so I don't even know what to yeah and now in this version they also have giant flying whale ships <laughs> four of them yeah that's the uh, ships are cool though. they are cool um and man in at the end of movie two when uh unit one gets all like extra badass and like grows a new arm out of at field mm-hmm. and it's like a weird human arm yeah it's got fingernails for some reason Ugh. so oh, good terrible or just or it's like they really make you sit with Shinji uh, after Kaoru's head explodes. Really? They really make you uh, just just stare in that child's face. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah. Although weirdly, it was a little less traumatic than the original Kaoru death, I think. Yeah. That one was Shinji did it in that one. Yes. Which made it way worse. I just I will I'll never I'll like that's one of those things that is burned in my memory of like Shinji like the silhouette if I remember correctly yeah like the silhouette of like Haru in the Eva's hand and Shinji like screaming and what pulling his head off no he uh well it, he was you know holding him holding his body so his head is kind of you know poking out at the top of his hand and he squeezed oh, crushed right. the body and then you see the head fall yeah like pop off. Yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah, that was worse. Yeah, that was worse. <laughs> um, it was a little bit more confusing because it wasn't quite clear why, like what was going on with this whole thing of two spears and it's the wrong spear. And that was a trap. And it, one of those things like we talked about, like the plot has too many twists and turns of I was going to do this. And but you thought I was going to do that. But I knew you were going to do this. And, you know, yeah. Too much, too much, too much 40 chess going on for like it to make full sense. For me. Right. You can only have so many things that were that was a trap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, Greg. Well, this is it. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any new 
Evangelion, uh, like main movie stuff. I mean, they're going to continue to make like, uh, video games and weird little like spin-off manga where they're all friends at school and nothing magical happens. Yeah, did Who you ever watch that? that like uh there was like a they did a show right or was it just a just an, I think it was just a I think it was a just a manga. Just the uh, of the where they're just all friends in high school. Yeah. Did they reference uh, that in this? I feel like I saw something that Yes. In the in the when the reality is breaking down at the end. Yeah. And and it's basically Shinji and and Ray talking and they're like projecting mm. stuff. Yeah. There's panels of like some of the various like alternate timeline stuff, which suggests that it is all canon. Right. These are all just, you know, alternate realities. So who knows? Maybe we will get a whole nother batch of Evangelion rebuilds at some point. He decides, well, you know what? Third time's a charm or third and a half time is a charm or whatever. Or he would say 3.02 or plus one <laughs> yes. or whatever. Fucking asshole. <laughs> We actually started watching. We actually started watching the fourth movie by accident because of the weird number. <laughs> yeah. No. And 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 Amazon, where it's streaming, is not great at keeping things organized. No, if you're looking no. at a series of movies, but yeah, the um, I mean, I don't know. It took him ten or yeah, ten years, I think, to get from the original series ending in '97. Okay. Yeah. It took him 10 years to get from original series to movie one. And to get from movie one to movie four, <laughs> it took 13 years. I think in 20 plus years, we might have some more Evangelion to talk about. And that seems like an okay timeline for me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll still be doing the podcast too, I'm sure. I will be 89 years old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I ended up driving a lot of the direction of the conversation what what did uh what else did what else is the uh, what else is important to you about this gray that you want to share? Isn't I don't I think I have I think I have successfully jettisoned all of my uh at least potentially interesting things to say. Okay, <laughs> about these movies. Um, so looking back now, it seems like it would be fair to is it fair to say that you we would recommend that people want to watch this. They they. They do watch the original first. I think that's where I'm at. That's an interesting question. Because when I was pitching it to my friend Devin, who watched it with me, I was like, he's like, oh, so I, I, what do I need to know? I'm like, oh, you don't know anything. It's a whole new thing. And then maybe I was like, I don't know if that was true. <laughs> I, I think that your enjoyment of the movies will be enhanced if you've already seen the series or some summary of it. Um, but I don't think that works in reverse. So I think that the optimal experience is to watch them both, watch the series and then the movies. But I do think it would be possible to enjoy just the movies if you know what you're getting into in terms of abject strangeness. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, I just I had these like, again, like things I'll never forget. It's just like at the peak of, you know, in these movies, especially in like three and four, when it's just like the combination of techno babble and then like unintelligible narrative exposition just like look like looking to my left and my right and having i can't obviously do an expression over a podcast but just that thing <laughs> where like your eyes are both like widening but also you're trying so hard to understand that they're like squinting at the same time <laughs> and seeing all three of us like that being like what, what the, wait what <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> no it is it is 
often incomprehensible gobbledygook. <laughs> and it's also, but it's a lot of incomprehensible gobbledygook that you can't just entirely ignore um, because sometimes that's all that's said for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and every once in a while, there is important stuff buried in there. Right. Um, yeah. No, it is. I Again, it is. It is. I think that these are challenging films uh, for sure. And and it's their own damn fault they're challenging. Like, you know, like some of these things were, I think some of the challenges were like intentional. Like it's, it, it, it's challenging and, and ambiguous subject matter. Right. right. Like that's, um, but also some of the challenges were, were not like, again, like the dub is weird or the, or the translation or something. Cause the lines aren't working. Mm. Um, Certain plot points kind of come out of nowhere or, you know, resolve too quickly. Um, and that's the movie's fault. So, yeah, it's not perfect. It's challenging in, in a number of ways, but I really like. Fair enough. I I feel like I worry sometimes about I put this. my mental health. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get that vibe of like things that because they're so weird and add so much stuff around it that so much like was like built legend and mythos not even like about the in canon stuff like the, the real world stuff around it around different creators and you're just like is this just like really thoughtful and weird or is it bad? like uh let's think of like a another auteur like you know uh in this case also um hailing from japan the metal gear solid guy what's his name uh hideo kojima yeah like that it's like Death Stranding, weird and ahead of its time or bad? Like, it's just how do you? And I, I and I think both. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that uh, there are some things, and especially I think you're, you're you're right when you're talking about like auteur stuff. There are some things where uh, I don't know how much of what Hideki Anno gets right, Hideaki, eh, Hideaki Anno gets right. Uh, I don't know how much of that is on purpose. Or accidental, right? Like, how much of, you know, the, the the themes that go into Evangelion are because he sat down and said, these, these are the themes that I want to do? Or just because in the process of writing his robot story, uh, we get all of this stuff about trauma and, uh, um, you know, isolation. I don't know. And then to look at, like, Kojima, you know, how much of this is, you know, a brilliant satire of patriotic action movies and how much of it is just he thinks that's what's cool and good. I, I don't know, but it whatever the whatever the mixture is, it's working for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. That's fair. It is a good question of like, I think that's where I think that's where I struggle with these more than like example, like you bring up like, I don't know. Like stuff that's like really weird and is kind of purposely nonsensical and but it's more about the vibes, man, or like the themes or, you know, when they kind of come through a little bit. Maybe I imagine that's how people feel about like Twin Peaks or something like that. Whereas this it's like trying to do both at the same time and that makes it like really hard to follow. Not just hard to follow, yeah. but like hard to know what lane to be in. Am I just like 
in turn my narrative brain off and just embrace like the themes and the vibes or is it okay i, I really gotta understand what the what the uh sphere the sphere of longinus is <laughs> right and no and i think that and, and i do think that's one of the big flaws just i don't know again is it is it translation is it dub is it tone is it uh you know all the little d- directorial and editing decisions that go into making this line of dialogue seem important versus this line of dialogue um you know the same way any movie you know can kind of convey like oh that character's just getting directions uh i i don't need to know what the directions are but the next line is about and you need to make sure that you use the key in the back door lock because otherwise the dog will bark right Mm -hmm. and then i know that that is important right Mm -hmm. like movies know how to do this this movie apparently does not (laughs) and that does make it kind of exhausting to watch and also it it can be difficult to follow because you're right like there are going to be parts where it's like yeah I should just kind of interpret this, maybe not so literally, just kind of watch this. This is supposed to be dreamlike versus no, we're we're detailing important, you know, the, the big moving pieces of the plot here. You have to know why we're going to this area to do this thing, you know, and it's, it just it gets lost. Yeah. And also that effect of like, I'm going to call it the I think I probably described this before about a, another movie that I don't like that is considered a classic American Psycho um, is like. The puzzle box of it and trying to figure it out is what drives the conversation and not actually like the quality of the thing. Like tr- like you trying to figure out what is going on is the attraction. I'm not saying this is you, like, the world, like someone trying to right. figure it out is the attraction or trying to figure out like, oh, did it all happen or was it, a, you know, was it a twist or a dream or whatever? Like that kind of. Discussion and energy is what fuels people watching it, not actually like going to. Right. And it's it's like, you know, you mentioned American Psycho and it's like it doesn't matter if he did the things or if he just fantasized about doing the things. The point of the movie is that we are surrounded by people like this. Yeah. And you wouldn't know it because they seem very put together and charismatic that's it doesn't matter if the murders actually happen like because that's not what the movie's about right movie's not a mystery did patrick bateman kill these people (laughs) the movie is supposed to be a horror story about the very real psychopaths that are within arm's reach of you at any given moment um and this one again yeah but i think there's a mismatch because once you introduce these elements like oh this does overlap in some degree you're inviting people to pick that apart right you're inviting people to get out the magnifying glass and figure out what is the domino that mari flicked that uh that you know changed the timeline and the answer is it that's that's not that's probably not what it's about it's more about like look this is you know that shinji goes on a different emotional journey and some of that is just because of the material conditions changed a little bit. Here you go. Um, It's, but there's also something about the movie with like, it's highly like intricate uh, plot. Right. And uh, where all of a sudden it's like, okay, well uh, we have to use the spine from the ship to turn into the spear because the Evangelion was the motor, but it's not. And then, you know, it's like, You've got this highly detailed, intricate plot just to know what the fuck is happening at any given moment. But at the same time, you know, you can't expect people to just kind of lean back and just 
let the themes wash over. It's a it's a it is a significant mismatch. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Greg, it must work to a degree because here I am like maybe a second watch through would get me there. You know what I mean? I'm like, God, no, but maybe, but no, but maybe. Uh, one other thing I just want to, this is actually a little bit of a segue to what our next topic is. Uh-huh. One thing that this does really well visually that a movie you and I both just saw visually that this director does well in general and all those, all the, movies, uh, what I'm going to call, I'm going to call mechanism porn. <laughs> like, Lots of things interlocking and changing in like sci-fi, spacey, industrial kind of ways that are like really satisfying yes. to watch and see. And uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and also the other Guardians movies, it's really good. And it's also good. in like you mentioned the spine that thought came in my head about just like all those like vertebrae unlocking and like shifting. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty fucking. Cool. Yeah. The, the the original series had that was, you know, all of this really intricate uh, architecture and, and uh, mechanical things all clicking together and yeah, like the city and coming up shapes. and down and gears. And yeah. like this one, it's got a little bit of the like a little bit takes a little bit out of like the Gundam side of things where it's like in the first movie where like they're like, you know, using the machine gun and like the shells are falling and they're like smashing cars yes, and like crushing cars. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so good at that stuff. Yeah. But yes, Guardians of the Galaxy, the third guard, number three of the Guardian Galaxies, yep. is what we're going to talk about next. But it'll be uh, in in perfect timing as we usually do. It'll be a little while because I'm traveling uh, long enough for it to just get out of the zeitgeist in time for us to drop an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I mean, spoiler alert! I like the line about Adrian Ballou. <laughs> talk about that for an hour. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, we'll turn, but I'm going, yes. I leave in two, two and a half days time, go uh-huh. to Norway and Sweden. You're, you're going to the, the good, the place where they have the good governments and health cares and also where um, they started the black metal and the, and the mellow death. Mm-hmm. Significant chunks of our musical influence and favorite bands hail from. And you're going to visit all of the historical um, hot spots. Yeah, um, turns out that much like in America, uh, most of your average Norwegian and Swedish people have no idea what heavy metal even is. Yeah, they, they just live lives like, you know, <laughs> without needing to listen to horrible sounds at all times. Um, have audio equivalent of horror movies in their ears <laughs> at all times for some reason. Yeah, I was talking to uh, a, a, a guy I know from that I met through a friend, but who's from Stockholm. Um, and I was, you know, excited to be like talking about metal. And he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, right. This is still a thing right. for underground nerds. <laughs> you guys have normies over there, too. Yeah, huh? yeah. Not everyone is is a is a is a death metal Viking like I imagine. Um, however, I will be visiting uh, a there is a a what was a record store or I guess is a record store um, different name i guess but it is where it's sort of a a heavy metal tourism spot uh it is where like the dudes from the original wave of of black metal in norway would meet hang out in the basement Mm -hmm. and it's sufficiently kind of creepy and small and uh there's a little bit of like a people call it a black metal museum i think museum is a a you know generous term for what it is (laughs) um pretty sure it's just like a basement with that someone scrawled black metal on the wall of and you know from like mayhem or something but um 
I'll be going there bare minimum. That'll be cool. Uh, but yeah, but I am very, very excited. I'll bring back. I'll bring back some tales. To tell, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I've also vowed that um, you know Shay and I are bringing my mother along with us, and I'm gonna. You know, she's always been a good sport about my musical inclinations. Um, I have a distinct memory of of being in college and and getting really into you know ironic timing cattle decapitation, <laughs> and I lived at home and I was playing it in my room, you know, in the way that you are when you're like kind of an asshole 19 year old. You're just like, I'm going to listen to this as loud as possible in my family home. And her just coming and being like, hey, uh, you know, could you just like maybe, you know, just like, uh, you know, you do your thing. But like, you just like turn it down <laughs> as the floor rumbles beneath from the subwoofer of my computer, you know. And but I think I'm going to be like, hey, mom, you know, there's this special cultural thing you should be aware of in these countries. And it's called black metal. Here's what it is. And. I'll get to watch her horror as I sh- as I uh, show it to her. I mean, and Shay will literally just probably uh, she's she's used. To it. I just get a look in it. You know, it's it's going off now. <laughs> oh, well, I wish you the best. Of- Thank you. Yeah. So um, be back sometime in a month ish with Guardians 3. So if you haven't seen it uh, by then. I'll probably be streaming, so you'll be able to really easily easily see yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, travel safe. Thanks. See you later. Later.